I'm Stuart Sheldon. My name's Ron Rothberg. 30 years ago, I was on Wall Street. I was the youngest vice president at my fancy company, but that's not what I wanted to do. After spending nearly 25 years in media, I knew things were changing, both in the industry and inside me. Swan Dive shares the powerful stories of those who had the clarity and backbone to make a major life pivot to their vision. I took a Swan Dive. I have been an artist ever since, and it's the best choice I ever made. Getting closer to who you really are. That's Swan Dive. Wayne Irwin is following through on his commitment to bring solar energy to the world with his solar power company. But he's now bringing the joy of music to the world with his radio station. You may have a certain picture of how you think things are going to go and what things are going to be. And maybe that'll happen. But you also have to be open to what it might evolve into. And it may turn out to be something different than what you imagined and often better. Evolve with us as we share this story of heart and solar. This is Swan Dive. From the Peacock and Park Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, and in the fancy nasty studios in Costa Rica, this is another edition of Swan Dive. Hello, I am Ron Rothberg, and in Central America, please say hello to my dear friend, Stuart Sheldon. Hey, Stu. Yes, Ron. Hello, my friend. Pura Vida, as they say here in Costa Rica. It's a beautiful morning. Um, and I'm always, always amped when we get to do this, to talk to another interesting person, dig into another story, another swan dive, another bold pivot. And uh, today's no exception. So what yeah. do we got? We are uh, all about community. The word community just keeps coming into my life now. And it's so apropos today because there's a lot of community around uh, the people on this here podcast right now. Without further ado, in the Swan Dive Green Room, our guest is Wayne Irwin. Coming from the enchanting city of Gainesville, Florida, Wayne is the owner of Pure Energy Solar. He is a pioneer in the solar in- in industry, an innovator an entrepreneur, and now a radio station owner, the Wombat 90.1 on your radio dial and streaming all around the world. We'll get to that in just a second. Wayne, you're a husband, a father, and someone I've called a friend for, geez, over 30 years, man. Uh, Welcome to Swan Dive. Nice to be here with you guys. It's a pleasure and nice to meet you, Stu. No, you guys met at at our wedding. Well, yeah, we did, but we can't talk about any of that because uh, we would all be uh, have problems with the. Uh, <laughs> yes, well, I think it's we're not going to go there. I um, think some of that's legal now. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to. I do want to kind of kick this off. Um, you know, you and Ron have a deep relationship, and so I'm going to kind of just be the, the the wingman on this episode. Um, but your story is very interesting because you started out with. Uh, an electrician certificate and turn that into this incredibly um, successful and it seems like very happy life. And I just want to ask the question to kick it off, what you consider your swan dive to be? Well, that's a, that's to me, there's multiple, but the largest and most significant one was my, my move from Miami, my basically the city that I grew up in and went to college in and uh, to to move out of out of the city. And um, I thought for the longest time, wow, 
you know, there's all these things going on in the world. I don't know that how to do that. How do you, how do you do that? How do you move and go to a place or live, do these crazy things that so many people that seemed crazy. And, uh, I realized through, I'll, I'll get to in a minute, but I realized that you can just do it. You Mm. can just do it. You want to go do something. You, you want to fly somewhere, you go, you buy a ticket and you do it. But let me preface that you, you, you're, you're a product of a single mom. Um, you didn't have means in the household. So how do you just do it when the, you know, it's all on you 20 year old guy in the world? Well, you know, at the time, what it took for me was pretty significant and it was a life, uh, ex- life threatening experience. So I was working, I went to school for engineering and I was working in a biomedical as a, a biomedical engineering capacity, playing soccer, semi-pro living the Miami lifestyle, very materialistic and, um, and just going at it. And what happened was, is one night, on a late night, I hadn't, I hadn't been partying that night. I was actually partying the night before. So it wasn't a, a, a drinking incident, but I fell asleep. And of all things, I hit a, an olive tree, which I felt is somewhat symbolic. And I w- was seriously injured in, in a life-threatening sort of state. And when I went through this long recovery period, I didn't know what I wanted anymore. I, I wasn't, everybody was proud of me for what I was doing, making good money and living that sort of successful Miami lifestyle. But all I knew is that I didn't want that anymore. I didn't know what I wanted, but I was looking for something else. And um, I met a girl and she was living in Gainesville and we were dating for a while. And I thought, well, why am I here? And so I made that leap unto the unknown. I'm going to leave Miami and I'm going to move to Gainesville. And I had some money saved up. So I was able to afford the move and could pay for myself for a period of time as unemployed. And, and um, so I came to Gainesville and I thought, oh, I'll just take a job at Shands. I'd never been refused a job in my life. And so I figured I'll just take a job at Shands and biomedical. So I interviewed and uh, I got offered the job that I was applying for. And I realized (laughs) I don't want to work in a hospital. And I refused the job and ended up then what am I going to do? And I started uh, a life here. And I actually took a job fixing consumer stuff like, you know, CD players and amplifiers and things like that. And uh, which was educational for me because I didn't know about that stuff. I knew about designing. I knew about repairing really. And um, then the next thing I knew, I got a fixing these amplifiers and I got a phone call from the owner of all these amplifiers. And that was a radio station owner. And he called me up and said, hey, we need an engineer, a broadcast engineer to uh, fix our, build a studio and do this stuff. And I was like, ah, sure. I don't know. I, I, I guess I could do that. And he's like, no, you can do it. I was like, <laughs> so I said, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. And um, little did I know that I was undercutting a contract engineer that was, who, who has become my friend, but was pretty upset with me at the time. 
uh, and I was like, I don't know. Sorry, man. I didn't know I was cutting in on your turf, but that sort of launched me in a new direction. And so that was entertaining and fun. And that's when I met you, Ron. Yeah. And, um, there were some back- really colorful characters at that, at that place. And, um, you know, it was interesting because you were that young dude that came into this, I call it chaos, you know, with heroes and villains and all these different types of people in this one building. So, so we kind of connected there, but, but, but you really didn't have any chops and any, you know, any business like working on a transmitter or hanging off the top of a tower for a radio station, right? No, not at all. I mean, I did design my, my college boy, my project was uh, a building an amplifier and transmitters have some of the basic principles of an amplifier, but no, I I really didn't know anything about (laughs) what I was doing. And uh, fortunately I had a couple of people to sort of guide me in the right direction. And, and, uh, and the owner of the station instilled a lot of confidence in me by saying, you know what, you are going to excel beyond the guys who are training you in a short period of time. And uh, I can tell, you know, so that was helpful. And, um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it was a lot of characters and the, that station owner was certainly a character (laughs) and uh, the people that, that um, I got to meet and deal with. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. I will say it was it was a lot of fun yeah. back then and and uh everybody was having a good time, big personalities and and so that was sort of the opening for me to start a new career and uh and a change of life and scenery and in a new city and and then I started realizing that yeah, you can just do it. Are you were you on air at that point, Ron? Were you already Captain Ron? Yeah. Wait. You, were, you were already the local the local celebrity. So there's something very romantic to me as a guy who listened to drive time radio for, you know, decades, like most of us did back then. Um, So for a a young kid to sort of all of a sudden be an engineer at a radio, like that's a pretty sweet gig. Um, But as you said and admitted, you know, that came from you fixing CD players, doing things that you didn't really know what you were doing, but you knew enough um, to know what you didn't know. So you were willing to say yes and take that risk and sort of, as Ron said, you know, or, or as we say, fake it till you make it. Um, so there was a, there was a number of, of ingredients in there that we like to sort of point to with our guests here, where small, bold choices, um, doing something outside your comfort zone uh, because someone else has confidence in you and you need to pay the bills, all of these little steps that you take. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, you get tapped on the shoulder by a radio station owner and he's like, you're my guy. You're like, I'm really not. I don't know anything. He's like, trust me. I know you know more than you think you know. And you do. And the rest is history. And I just think it's very interesting how you got there um, because it wasn't one of these clear cut things. It was sort of falling backwards into it. And, and now here we are. Well, my question to you is when that radio station owner said you're going to be well past these guys soon, did you believe them? No, I didn't. I thought there was so there was so much to uh, to comprehend, to, to understand, to, you know, because I came from an engineering training and education 
and there's so much detail in everything. And, you know, and I was relatively speaking, basically fresh out of college and had, uh, you know, worked for the biomedical company. That was my first real job. And that took a lot. So, and he, I, 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 I would like, hate to say, or, or, you know, try to say I was, I went above or beyond them, but I, I guess career wise, I did excel um, past what I guess they were doing. Yeah. You and, got into the corporate America that led you to this corporate radio role when radio was King. There was no streaming. There was no other, uh, platforms. And we all know that corporate sanitized radio might, you know, is kind of hold your nose to it. But one of the things that's interesting about your story, where it evolves to, is that music was the backdrop for every one of the moves you made. Um, How did you like, uh, I know music is a big part of your life. When you got the opportunity to work at a radio station, how did that square with like your passion of music? Well, it really well because I I love music and it's it's been my medicine and maybe my religion, you know, and in many ways and it's helped me through tough times in life and you know music to me has a lot of power and can transport you to a different time when you hear a song that reminds you of that period of time in your life. But so working at this radio station, it was a bunch of personalities and and young and fun and having a good time. And, uh, and then also, I don't know if you recall this, but I had the opportunity because of what they were simulcasting with one of the stations, I was able to take the reins of this other station and program it. And, uh, and we're playing local music and, and, you know, getting involved in the community and bringing local music to the community through the airwaves. And the power in that was so impressive to me Mm. and uh and meaningful and i really enjoyed that but it was still under the reins of somebody else's control because i didn't own it and uh and it was driven by what's what's the profit where's Mm. the money you know power like what was that power what 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 was the magic that that held for you the magic was uh people acknowledging the way that there was a group of people listening to this station together, even though they were hearing it in their car alone, they knew that they weren't alone and they were hearing about what's going to happen tonight. Who's playing live. What, you know, we, we had various local bands come into the studio and interview and, and, uh, and we played all kinds of music that wasn't just one genre. And uh, that was, that was, there was, the the support and feedback from the community was so powerful. But let me put it into context, too. Uh, at that time in Gainesville, there were some really, really interesting, talented local groups that were falling into the footsteps. Our original radio station was in this plaza with Sims Music and Sound at the end of it. And that was a music store that was owned by, forget his name, but his last name was Sims. And it was one of the owners was uh, uh, part of the band of Tom Petty. So we would go to the music store every now and again, and you'd see 
Who would you see? Stan Lynch or somebody else in the store, you know, Mike Campbell. I mean, these folks would be in there. So we're sitting here kind of living in the history of this this town that is known for some really, really good uh, musical roots. And then the next generation's coming up and you are like right in the middle of that. It was an amazing time. Yeah, the bands that were taken off at that time were uh, Sister Hazel, uh, Less Than Jake, Four Squirrels, uh, these bands that really um, did were successful. And simultaneously in the touring sort of college circuit at that time and came into the studio to interview was uh, Dave Matthews band. Yep. Green Bay played in town. They didn't come into the studio. Modesky, Martin, Wood, if you know who they are. So many great bands not only came into town, but they stopped by the studio to do an interview for yeah. their show. Yeah, and you did and that. You were the glue of that. So that I was, was like, the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh, so-, so. You were actually hosting these these major acts coming through. You were the one sitting down in front of the mic with them. Yes, and I was so naive. <laughs> I, I had no. I, but they weren't major at that point. They were like you know regional. They weren't. Dave Matthews Band was playing a three hundred person venue. Yeah, you know. And so they were just another band. And, and I was always amazed like that they were signed by a record label because <laughs> none of the Gainesville bands were. And meanwhile, at the other end of the hall, the pop music station that I did the morning drive for, you know, we'd do the meet and greet with Vanilla Ice or whatever it was. And the record reps would be showering us with uh, drinks and dinner and other uh, sundry things because we're in Gainesville, Florida. It's a college town. They want to break their new artists. And here's Wayne in the closet at the end of the hall with Dave Matthews. You know, we got it all wrong, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was pretty. It's pretty ironic looking back. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the little, the little station that was all hidden, and we stayed sort of cloistered in our little room, uh, so not to interfere with the big station. And we had some great musicians in there. Yeah. yeah. What's the line that you draw from that to actually creating your own streaming station? Now we're jumping twenty plus years. We're jumping into a technology kind of time warp. But how did you get from there to Wombat? Did you always say dream from that time? Like one of these days, I want to be driving this train. I want to have my own platform. I mean, how did you get there? And did you always hold on to that dream? And, and now you've just recently activated it? You know, that's an interesting question because I've been trying to figure that out myself. And I, I don't think that... Um, I really knew that it was ever going to happen, but I guess I knew that if it were going to happen, I knew that I wanted to be the one driving it. I, I wanted to be the owner. And uh, I wasn't interested in something that's just streaming. So while we do stream our FM signal, we, we own a low power FM signal that covers the metro of Gainesville. And so you can drive around your car and just tune it in at 90.1. And, uh, hey, you have the all who knows what you're hearing, who knows what's on the air right now, jazz, blues, folk, funk, rock, reggae, bluegrass. It's all on the air every hour, including local music. So what I knew was all the positive things that a local radio station can have in building a community, uh, the music community, the art community, and just people that are, are looking to go find some fun entertainment together as well as you know knowing hey it's summertime it's 95 degrees today people get out to the springs 
you know, and just connecting with the community rather than being that generic message. So did I know that this was going to happen? No. But then again, why did I hang on to those transmitters and transmission line and all that gear for all those years? So somewhere in the back of my mind, I must have known or wistfully hoped that this was going to come to fruition. And, uh, you know, I was a broad, I remained a broadcast engineer for a number of years, left from the small uh, radio station where Ron and I originally worked to work for a corporation and, and um, you know, enjoy the the stability of that corporation and all that but then took another swan dive and went after a passion that i had always had since being a little kid which was the solar industry let's pick that up there because you know you this is an interesting uh way that it came about uh you have this stable job like you said and we've had these conversations in the past uh, the paycheck is important it keeps you going it gets the fuel for whatever else there is out there so what was that like to start your solar company while you were also this corporate broadcast engineer it was a, a i realized i was taking a risk um and that it was leaving this stable, you know, paid vacation and benefits and everything that came with it. But it, for me, after doing broadcast engineering for a number of years, I felt like I was supposed to be doing something a little more, what I felt was important to me and, and making a change in the world in a positive way. And um, I felt that solar was the path. And I had always dreamt of having a solar home. And actually, originally my thought was I'll have a solar company long enough till I can have a off-grid solar home. And well, you know, I kept on doing it well after building my off-grid solar home. <laughs> um, but it was a big leap. And, you know, when you do things in life, it's, it's, it's important for me to, to remind people and remind myself that you may have a certain picture of how you think things are going to go and what things are going to be. And maybe that'll happen, but you also have to be open to what it might evolve into. And it may turn out to be something different than what you imagined and often yeah. better, often better. Yeah. It almost always is something yeah. different and often better. So you have to, at some point in time, reconcile this growing business and your paid vacation. <laughs> well, the, the the pluses and minuses of running your own company and doing your own thing are, are certainly there. Uh, the, the benefits are that you get to make the decision ha on how things go. Mm -hmm. And the downside is, is that how things go is your responsibility. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I've realized that you can do all the things that you want to do. Patience is the most important asset that you could ever achieve and, and timing. And, you know, you have to make sure that you're patient and that you don't try to rush into things too quickly, but at the same time, if the opportunity presents itself and it seems like a lot, you have to make sure that you can manage it, but go for it. 
because if it's if it's something that inspires you, it's something that turns you on, then you're probably going to do pretty well at it. What was your vision of solar? I mean, what, why, why as a little boy did that light you up? What what, what hit you about that? You know, and okay. what, what made you an earlier early adopter on the concept of it? All right, this is a, a fun little story in third grade, I think. Maybe it was in third grade. Uh, our science teacher, so to, to give you close age proximity, Jimmy Carter was president. And so uh, he was all about solar. And so you could go down to this now practically defunct company, Radio Shack, and buy a solar cell for 25 cents. And our teacher, our science teacher, uh, had us do this project. And I grew up in Florida, as I mentioned. And um, the science project was take this solar cell and solder the traces to this little car, attach it to the top of this car, and and then solder the wires to where the batteries go. And as a little kid, every toy you had that had batteries was always dead because batteries were going dead. And so we took this little car out to the outdoor basketball court, and the teacher had it covered and put it on the basketball court and then uncovered it and the sun hit the solar cell and that thing took off across the basketball court Hmm. that was it i was like that's the coolest thing ever no batteries and that stuck with me forever yeah and and yeah and so that that's that's where you get them get little kids inspired and it'll stick with them because yeah. those that inspired me forever. And so I, we try to do outreach to kids and show them what solar can do and, and all that kind of stuff. But that was, that was the story. And you've had several notable inventions of your own in the solar space. Tell us about those. So somehow solar has, you know, become a political issue, which I don't get, but I've been asked by many uh, commissioners and various ent- uh, politicians to attend meetings and and uh, commission meetings and hearings and to speak on whatever the topic is as to why uh, municipalities should do or not do certain things. And I was sitting through one and this one commissioner, a little lady, uh, said, how, how do we get solar to, to – how do I get – she said it inappropriately, but she said, how do I get solar to my people? And um, and I I got where she was coming from. And, you know, the question is, how do you get solar to everyone? And without being a, a billionaire philanthropist and just giving solar to everyone. And so, you know, I started thinking that everybody has their electronic thing that needs to be recharged and it's got to be plugged in and reduced. And and um, I it just kind of came to me. And so I started building this uh, solar charging station and it's a, it's a kiosk and they're becoming more common, but when I did it, it was one of the first and um, it's, it's a tabletop bar top plug in solar panel overhead, gives you shade battery below. So you can have today's energy at night and um, people plug into them and they get it. And, so when a municipality buys them, everybody gets solar. When a restaurant buys them, everybody gets solar. Mm. Wherever they go, people can plug into it. And then we started making the solar bench, and they're used in parks and for buses. And and um, and now we're distributing them all over the country, actually outside of the country, even, even beyond just the U.S. And um, it's really cool. And we take a bunch of these things up to 
tying into music to the Bonnaroo Music Festival, mm. which is which is a you know a, a city uh, for a weekend, and um, we bring a bunch of these up there, and so we set them out, spread them around, and uh, enjoy the music, but also check on them from time to time. And there was this one time where you know I'm sitting there looking at these these uh, people all have their phones and gadgets plugged in, and there's a lot of them around. They're, they're, it's like an event, you know. There's a charging station. There's 30 people around this thing with their phone waiting for their phone to charge. And this one kid, the young man walked away after unplugging his phone. He's like, I have the sun in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, bingo. That's, that's what we're after. And that little kid, that was his uh, little matchbox across the basketball court. Yes, that that I mean that little kid was probably twenty. You know, yeah. so. That was my son at Bonnaroo. I'm it just... might have been. Might have been. <laughs> so, uh, so so the business is. Uh, I want to talk about the business because you know the last couple of years there's been a lot of uh, wrenches in that uh, system, and um, one of the things I admire about you is, you know, you came up from the streets and working hard. You have a crew that works hard. Uh, you took care of your people really well over this last year. What again? That word community coming together. Um, how'd you get through that? The the, the tough part of uh, the pandemic, and and how did you keep your people whole? Well, you know, it goes back to what I was hit, touching on earlier, which was you can you make the decisions and. And you're responsible for them. And the people that you work with, one of the most important things, and, and I, I attain, retain this from a job that you and I both used to have, and it was a man named Dan Krause. And he used to say two things to me repetitively every time he came to visit the station. And one was, the sun is always shining. He's like, mm-hmm. you get that? I'm like, not that. Not it not he's like literally the sun is always shining, even though it's nighttime, you gotta know that the sun is always shining. You get that? You got your head around that? And um, which I thought was kind of appropriate for the path direction I've gone in with solar. But then also to surround yourself with good people whenever possible. And um that is what we've done. The people that I work with are really good people and very important to me, and without them. We don't have a company. Your your people that work for the company are the company. You can be the greatest CEO ever, and if you have no staff, you are not a CEO. You're just a person sitting in a room with a phone. And uh, so when this all hit, we made sure that everybody um, knew that if they got the virus, that they were going to be paid for their time to quarantine and do whatever it took. We had staff meetings about being vigilant to make sure that we exercised all the precautions necessary so that we didn't get COVID and minimize our exposure. And, um, and I did a business model shift that I never would have done before, which was took on small projects for contractors doing large track home developments and putting on these tiny arrays because I figured that was an opportunity to ensure work for our crew. 
and um, it paid off. And uh, we we got through it. We had some instances where people had exposure, and I just said, you know, stay home. That means stay home, take care of your family. You'll get paid. You don't have to worry about the finances of it. And um, and we've we've ridden through it. Mm. And uh, not that we're not through it. We're still riding through it, but that's been our policy and it has proven to be um, helped us be successful. And How long ago did you start your co- your solar company, your pure, pure, pure Energy Solar? Pure Energy Solar. We started in 2004. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, but that's how long it's been. And we just keep on going and there's always some trials and, you know, government shifts and utilities trying to pull a fast one like FPL is trying to do right now and, uh, tricky stuffs in the, in the, on the ballot. And there's always some obstacle, but like I tell people, (laughs) the sun is always shining. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And in Florida, why in the hell isn't it harnessed more often? But that's, yeah, that's it, another podcast. It, there are big things going on in the world, and a lot of people recognize that. And if we're going to sustain our species, we need to move. We need to prepare because these changes are on us. Yeah. And solar is not the only solution. It's just part of the solution. And so that's still important to me. I'm still gratified by doing what we do. Um, but also the the radio thing you know yeah. the opportunity presented itself and uh, a radio low power radio station came up for sale and uh and so th- i i've added that to my <laughs> well, <laughs> my schedule let's, let's, look, let's look at that for a yeah, minute yeah let's I do spent some time on on your website and you know in fact i you know right on the home page it's basically like what song do you want to hear you know give us the song and like we'll play it within 24 hours and what you know um so it's it's very old school in terms of the, it's very analog in the sense of like, you tell us a song that we, it's kind of like in the old days you call up and Hey man, can you play hollow notes? You know? So, um, and, and it's, it's, it's not like we'll play it for you next in in 20 minutes. We're going to play it for you in 24 hours. So it, it, it had this sort of old school vibe to it. Um, tell me about why it is, what it is, what you, what you're hoping it, it, it is and will become. So there's uh, all kinds of what we call our, our hidden messages within this station. And it's all about the music, first of all. It's not about, you know, we're not trying to sell anybody anything. Um, but it's a, if you notice our, our station colors, it's red and blue. And, you know, there's a political red and blue. They can get along. <laughs> through music the other the other thing is everybody it doesn't matter i mean i can't say everybody but i would say most of the people and definitely most of the people that i hang out with like music some kind of music and there's all different types of people and there's all different types of music and so just like the music can get along so can the people yeah. And so while you might be listening to the station because they because we play jazz a couple times an hour or you might be listening to the station because we play bluegrass or because we play new music or because we play local music it's there's room for everyone. Mm. And and everyone can be a part of it. 
And if there's a song that you want to hear, hey, send it in. And we even have a time, like, what time would you like to hear that song? And then we'll try to schedule it. And if it's a really good song, you know, <laughs> deemed by us, uh, we'll put it in rotation. And it'll it'll just, you'll hear it again. And, you know, and we just keep on at it. I think right now we're playing, like, in rotation, 7,000-something songs. Plus, we're adding stuff and do specialty programming. So, if you hear the same song in the same day, it's because something's wrong with the system. Mm. Right. <laughs> well, all those years ago, Wayne, when I met you, when I first went to your house in Gainesville, and I went into your living room with your big badass stereo and every single album and maybe some CDs hanging on the walls. I mean, it was a room full of music. And that's my first memory of you. And for you to be orchestrating this radio station now with 7,000 songs, you know, in that same main room or whatever it is, it's, uh, it's an evolution and it's a community. Uh, have, you, have you felt uh, and can you tell us some of the examples of community you've built through the Wombat? I'll just start off with a story that was very important to me and touching. And that was, I, I ran into this, these folks that found out like, Oh yeah. Have you heard about the wombat? They said to me, and I said, yeah, I have. And, and um, they said, we were hanging out in our living room with four generations of family playing name that tune, mm-hmm. listening to the station. And not everyone knew all of them, and some of us knew some of the same ones, but there was always something. So we were able to, and it was, so it was the grandparents all the way to the kids and the kids of the kids, you know, that the fact that people are sitting in their living room instead of watching TV, they're listening to music and, and talking to each other about the music. And we're playing music from all, all generations, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that was so that was one of the, my favorite stories. That's mm. magnificent. What a what a what a metric of success that moment. Truly, yes, is. absolutely. And then and then talking to some musicians, and they said, "So I was in my car, and I thought, oh my god, that's my song hmm. on the radio.'" And they, and they had this moment of, "Oh my goodness, I'm on." Wait, is this really happening? <clears throat> You know, they they were getting played on the radio. And there are people who then say, I heard this song. We get this a lot. What was this song? It played at this time. And a lot of the time, it's a local musician. Mm-hmm. And then we have that local musician say, hey, somebody got in touch with me to buy my CD. Mm. You know, it it's it's effective. It's working. It's it's bringing the, the community together with the artists. And through the variety of music. Well, I want to say this to our, to our two listeners, Ron's dad and my dad, um, that you can simply Google Wombat Radio and it'll show up. I just did that. Uh, you can go to WMBT901.com and, uh, and then just hit listen live and you're in business. There's nothing to it. And you can be in, in this community that Wayne has built and continues to build. Uh, and obviously people are feeling the vibe and feeling the love. Um, Wayne, looking back at your life, um, what are you most proud of? My daughter. Mm. That's easy. Um, she's just, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I were so fortunate to have our daughter 
and uh, and she just melts my heart and she's just awesome to me. And then, um, you know, I've become proud of myself and making sure that I prioritize my family over um, everything else. Yeah. And during, during this past couple of years with all of the challenges of my uh, not immediate family, but the challenge that I've had with my family. And I think everybody's got them, people with differences of, of opinions and, and with regarding whether or not to get a vaccine or political divides and all this kind of stuff and the challenges of work, the challenges of life, but making sure that I prioritize my family and that I don't miss out. You know, she's nine. And the one thing that I've heard from every parent before me and before us is that don't let this time go by because the time of them being kids is so brief and so short. And while I still feel it going by quickly, I don't feel that I've missed out because I was chasing after my whatever career or, or other focuses and maintaining, maintaining, uh, that presence of mind to make sure that I make the time and you can't do it all the time, but as much as I possibly can to say yes to my daughter and to our family. You always see people say, where did the time go? And, and, and I really want to live where you live with that was time well spent, you know? Yeah. And, and the time will go by quickly because, you know, I'm on the other side of it. You two have younger children. Um, I've got 22 and 20-year-old. And, and uh, Wayne, you saw my boy when he was born in Gainesville, I for did. goodness yep. sake. So there's a lot of history here. And, and those are sage words. I, I wish I could have um, spent a little more time when I was on the road uh, all those years uh, when I was working. So, um, yeah, live in that and stay right there. Uh, also, I have another story for you about Wombat. So, uh, while we were driving back from Arizona to Florida, 2000 miles, the Wombat was with me, uh, for most of the way. And, uh, that's when I really kind of fell in love with what you were doing, uh, stitching together all the generations of music and just pulling out gems, things that I knew, and then learning about other things that were, um, that were presented to me. So I appreciate you, um, you know, unwrapping this, this now digital gift to the world of your sensibilities of music and what it means and how it connects people and builds community. Well, thank you. Uh, it's really been a, a wonderful experience already, and I'm hoping that this is going to be something for the Gainesville community to have well beyond my lifespan. And uh, there's some great things happening. There's a program that I feel is epic, award-winning, great program that I didn't have anything to do other than saying, yes, this sounds great. And so um, the Gainesville Shands Arts and Medicine program is incredible. The musicians that are in the Gainesville Arts and Medicine program are amazing. And they have developed a program on the Wombat that airs on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. So I I recommend your listeners try and tune into it uh, if possible. Uh, But it's essentially speaking with the patients and their experience from being in the hospital 
and what they do to help uh, get through and stay positive and what the musicians uh, do with them, as well as requests from the hospital staff to each other uh, during this program. And it's called Shift Change, and it's airs 6 to 7, because that's when the hospital shift change is occurring. And so people are in their cars driving to and from work and making dedications to each other. And the insight, the kindness, the compassion, the, the passion that all of these people offer and are willing to share, it, it leaves me sitting in my car, not getting out of my car because I don't want to miss what I'm hearing. Mm. And um, it's a really great show. And that's just one thing that's happening. And uh, it's, again, that wonderful word, community. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, you said it earlier, you never know where you're going to end up. You know, it just, the, these are the delightful surprises that just continue to, uh, to the universe keeps bringing them to us. And uh, I, I think it's awesome when we recognize it, when you're present with it, when you can stay with it and, uh, and, 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 and know how much magic you just put out there or we're a, a small part of bringing it yeah, to the that's, world. That's, we're, we're a grain of sand on the beach of the universe, but we're part of the universe. Yeah, <laughs> Wayne, man, you just keep dropping those beautiful <laughs> little poems. Um, this is the, this is the part of the show where we let you shout out anything you'd want. If, if at all, I mean, you've covered a lot of incredible ground, but, uh, it, where to find you or what's, what's next. Is there anything you'd like to say, uh, to help folks know more about, about you and, and, and your projects? No, not really. <laughs> I love you. Good answer. Um, I, I would like to say one thing, and this is a message that we all need to really connect with and that life is difficult. These are some challenging times. We are in a, a time in history that generations after generations will look back upon and recognize that we are all in this together. And as hard as things are and as difficult as some people can be, we have to be our greater selves and maintain compassion and offer that towards each other and to ourselves. It's not easy. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Just do your best to be kind and compassionate and forgiving and understand that everyone is in a challenging time right now. So mm. love. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for that. And listen, I've, I'm in between a few things. So if you have a morning drive opening on the Wombat, um, you know, I, I have a resume that's updated and a, and, and a tape. You got a tape? Is it an 8-track or cassette? Is it a cart? <laughs> I got an air wow. check. I have an air hey, check. There's room for everyone. Yeah. I love it, man. I'm so glad we connected, and uh, I appreciate your story. It's uh, it, it's great, and 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 I, it just keeps evolving. And um, yeah, keep putting the love into the universe. We'll, we'll, we need it, and 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 keep keep it going because uh, it is appreciated. Uh, Wayne Irwin, thank you for being a part of Swan Dive. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Swan Dive. 
If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share this episode. Also, we are building a new season of Swan Dive. So if you or you know someone who has experienced a swan dive in their life, please hit us up and contact us through our website, www.swandive.us.